0: Well, the, the passage that grants read for us from the Sermon on the Mount is uh, very familiar. In this sermon, Jesus gives us an illustration that we can still grasp today, 2,000-ish years from when He gave his sermon. The idea of putting your light on a lampstand and not putting it under a basket. We all, I'm sure, have sung the song growing up about how we're going to let this little light of ours shine. We're going to let it shine all over the neighborhood. We're not going to let the devil put it out. We're going to let our light shine. And one of those verses was we're not going to put it under a bushel, referencing Jesus' sermon. We get the illustration. It's no hard thing to grasp the illustration of putting your candle or your lamp under a bushel. But have you ever stopped to wonder how you might do that? How might you put your lamp under the bushel? And I've always wondered how you would do that without the bushel burning up. But you could do that for a short period of time I'm sure. But how would one put their lamp under a basket? We need to stop and think about that. Because Jesus says we don't want to do that. We want our lamp to be on a lampstand, not hidden by a basket. Would you turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2? Because in Philippians chapter 2 I think we see a passage that tells us how we might put our lamp under a bushel. How we might put our light under a bushel so that it does not illuminate the world like Jesus would have us to illuminate it. And the instructions there might surprise you as to how you could put your light under a basket. Philippians chapter 2, start with verse 14. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Paul's talking about us being that light on a lampstand there, isn't he? And he gives us instructions on how we can keep our light there on that lampstand and not under a bushel or under a basket. And the instructions that he gives us I'll you you, have a lot to do with how we treat one another. Look there in Philippians chapter 2 with me this morning. I think the first thing that Paul tells us, if you want to put your life under a bushel, is you need to not worry about your attitude towards your brethren. If you want your life to be under the basket, if you want your life to be hid, if you want to be completely ineffective at being a good influence on your fellow man, just don't worry about your attitude towards your brethren. There in Philippians chapter 2, look at verse 14. He says, do all things without King James Version says, do all things without murmuring. And you know the context of Philippians chapter 2. It's how we treat one another. This is talking about our interpersonal relationship. I think a lot of this complaining or this murmuring that Paul's talking about here is in relationship to our brethren. It is easy, I believe, to murmur and complain about our brethren. You know, we all have our personality quirks, don't we? Everyone has their own little traits that can be annoying. And the more that we're around each other, the more annoying those things can be. The more those little quirks can wear on us. The more those little things can get on our nerves and annoy us. And they can become the only thing that we see in that person. The only thing I can see about him or her is that weird thing that they do that gets on my nerves. That thing that is so difficult to deal with. That's all I see about them. Brother so-and-so is a wonderful Christian. He's a wonderful guy. But he does that thing that just gets on everybody's nerves. I don't think he even knows that he's doing it. But that doesn't help it. Let me be less annoying. It's just, I can't take it. It's so annoying. It's so difficult. And instead of seeing his good qualities, all I see is his annoyances that I can't stand. And misery likes company, doesn't it? And so, we begin to whisper about brother so-and-so. And there's some solace in knowing that I'm not the only one that is annoyed by this. And so we start to whisper and we start to form this little club. And we call it, we, we, we might call it the rundown brother so-and-so club. Or the skewer sister so-and-so club. Where we just get together and we commiserate about how bad it is to have to deal with them. we Now, if brother or sister so-and-so are doing things that they shouldn't do, they're sinful or hurtful, there's no wrong in trying to talk with one another about hey, how could we help brother so-and-so understand? Or sister so-and-so change because he or she's doing things that are hurtful and sinful. But we need to be very careful that we don't start complaining about our brethren because Paul says it will cause us to put our lamp under the basket or under the bushel. The Bible has a lot of warnings about how we view our brethren. Look at James chapter 5, verse 9. James chapter 5, verse 9. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. There are some very important things that we learn from James chapter 5, verse 9. We understand here that grumbling against one another is a sin. How do I know that? the judge is standing at the door. And it will cause me to be condemned. Rumbling, murmuring, complaining about our brethren is a sin. Think of it this way. Jesus hung on the cross and suffered all of that pain and agony that we just remembered for that brother or that sister that you wanted to murmur and complain. Jesus died for that person and you're so fed up with them that you can't take it anymore and you wish they just would get out of here Jesus died for that person and not only did he die for that person he's standing just on the other side of the door he loves that brother or sister that you're about, and he's right there on the other side of the door knowing what's going on <coughs> Said from Philippians chapter 2 that if we grumble and we murmur and complain about our brethren that it will cause us to put our light under a bushel. So how is that because this type of murmuring and grumbling and complaining about our brethren is just like any other type of murmuring and grumbling and complaining it will consume us it will take us over it will become a habit that all we can do is murmur and grumble and complain. It will turn us into negative, bitter people that no one wants to be around. And it will be the only thing that people notice about us. Yeah, sister so-and-so has that annoying little quirk. And that's all you can see about her. You, the only thing people will be able to see about you is that you're a bitter murmur, and complainer about others. And want others to do what nothing to do with you, it'll completely destroy your influence. If you want to put your light under a bushel, just don't worry about your attitude towards brethren, Paul's telling us here in chapter 2. Okay, something else I think he is telling us. That if you want to put your light under a bushel, don't worry about how you interact with your brethren. Not only do you not worry about complaining and your attitude towards your brethren don't worry about how you interact with your brethren notice back in Philippians chapter 2 verse 15 do all things without disputing if you don't want your attitude, your influence to be any good at all if you want your life to be completely out just don't worry about how you interact with your brethren you know we're going to disagree with our brethren on certain, on certain things We're going to have differing opinions. We're going to have differing judgment calls. We all have to make judgment calls in our lives about the things that we're going to do. And we're going to differ on that. You're going to decide that certain things are advisable for you and for your family and for your children that I would say are not advisable. Things in the area of judgment. We're going to make different opinions and different decisions on those things. We're going to make different, uh, have different scruples.
1: There are going to be things that
0: I think are just not the right thing to do in the matters of scruples. And you may have a different scruple than I do. The landscape of this church, the fact that we're going to have different opinions and judgments and scruples, that's no nothing new. It's not limited to the church here at South Franklin. We might have differences in opinion and judgment and scruples. It's been going on for thousands of years. It's always been this way. It was that way in the church at Rome. In Romans chapter 14, verse 1, Receive one who is weak in the faith, but, do not, but not to disputes over doubtful things. They had differences in opinion and judgment and scruples in the first century church. They were told not to dispute about that. Don't dispute over things that are matters of conscience. There's no benefit. One brother can have a difference of of opinion about a, a matter of conscience. He may decide that he doesn't want to do something as a matter of his conscience that the Scriptures don't say is wrong. We need to be careful that we're not disputing over that because it can cause our life to be put under a bushel. But you know, when there's a sore spot, we like to poke at it, don't we? You ever wake up with a sore neck? What do you do all day when you have a sore neck? You're pushing on it, aren't you? Push, push on, push on. Maybe if I push on it just right, it'll go away. And don't we do that in the church? When there's a problem that's sort of a difference in opinion or judgment, we sort of poke at that. Maybe if I poke at that, I can get him to not have that scruple anymore. Maybe if I poke at it, if I push at it, if I, if I scrape at it a little bit, maybe he'll stop having that judgment that's different than my red opinions different than mine. Paul says, don't be disputing. Don't be disputing on things that at the end of the day don't really make a difference one way or the other. They're just a source spot. Maybe he or she doesn't agree with my understanding of the time. It doesn't really matter. Maybe I think it never rained before the flood. And he thinks it didn't rain before the flood. And maybe I'd really like to convince him that it never rained before the flood. And I'd like him to know how much I know that shows that it never rained before the flood. At the end of the day, does it matter? Do we need to be disputing over things like that? Maybe it's clear to me that Paul's thorn in the flesh was he had bad eyes. And I could show you a list of passages that show that that Paul had bad eyes and you need to think that that's his thorn in the flesh. We need to be disputing look for that. This is serious matters. When we start to dispute about things that are of no uh, consequence, it can consume us. Our interactions with brother so and so, with whom we disagree, are clouded by these disputes that we have over things that don't matter. <coughs> and I'm not saying that we don't worry about matters of consequence and matters of doctrines, but we've got to be careful about disputing about things that don't matter. And make sure we're not disputing. Paul says it will destroy. It will become the focus of our lives. It will keep us from being the life that God wants us to be. Paul goes on in Philippians chapter 2, and he says if you want to make sure that your life is under a bushel, you need to not worry about how you treat your bread. Back in Philippians chapter 2, look at verses 14 and 15 again. He says that we should do these things that we might be blameless and harmless. Blameless and harmless. You know the way that we treat others can cause serious harm. And we work on this with our children, don't we? We tell, tell our children that they need to be careful. Maybe with the way that they say things to others. Perhaps their siblings, they need to be careful about how they use their tongue when they're talking to their siblings or to their friends. Or how they act to their friends or their siblings and not to exclude other people because when you exclude people, that can really hurt them. We teach our kids this. And we tell our kids, you know what? You could hurt someone really bad by the way you treat them. And you might cause them to have scars that they carry with them all the way up into adulthood. There are adults today, old people today, who are walking around with scars, because of how they were treated as a kid, from their friends and from their their siblings. We tell our kids this. We want them to understand that. But it doesn't end once you become an adult and you're no longer a child. Adults can cause serious harm to other people by the way that they treat them. And Paul says, if you want to be a light in the world, you need to be blameless and harmless. You need to be careful about how you're treating others. We all know this. We've all been harmed. Everyone in this room has been harmed by someone else. Beforehand. And we don't want to be the one who's inflicting that harm. on others. Unfortunately, we do harm others. A lot of times I'm afraid that we shroud our harmfulness to others in some kind of fake robe of godliness or righteousness. That I'm justified in treating him or her bad because of some reason that I've formulated in my mind that it's okay to do that. I'll tell you, it's dangerous. It's harmful. And it becomes a consuming downward spiral Where we try to hurt other people, where we have this bad attitude towards others, and we treat them in such a way that is hurtful. Galatians chapter five, beginning verse fourteen. Galatians chapter five, verse fourteen. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this: you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed Well, we can have a fight. We can have a real nasty, ugly, knockdown fight. Paul says there's nothing good that's going to come out of that. If we start biting and devouring and burying our teeth and just getting as ugly as we want to get, Paul says, we will be consumed by that. It will destroy us. If we want to be the light in the world around us, we've got to be harmless. And that means we need to be on guard in all of our interactions with one another, that we're doing nothing to harm, that we're looking out for one another's best interests. How do I do that? How do I make sure that I'm blameless and harmless? Back in our context with Philippians chapter 2, Starting in verse three, Paul had just gotten none with that famous passage in telling us how to be concerned about each other's well being. In Philippians chapter two, begin verse three, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. But this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond cycle, and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, who humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. How did Jesus not cause harm? Being humble, or being concerned about the other person. Self-centered, don't be conceited, don't be selfish, don't be concerned about the things of others. That's how we make sure that we don't put our light under a basket. In fact, that's what Jesus said. This is what Jesus said people can look at to identify if we're Christ's disciples in John 13, 30, 30 by all this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. See that? That's how people will know we're Christ's disciples if we have love for one another. But if you don't want to have your light shining, if you want to have your light hid, don't worry about how you treat your brother. Just treat him any old way that you want. You can be sure that your life is under a couple more things that Paul points out here in Philippians chapter 2 on how to put your light under a bushel. If you want your light to be under a bushel, don't worry. Uh, sorry, forget who you are. Forget who you are. Philippians chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. You may become blameless and harmless children of God. If you want your light to be put out, just forget who you are. If you want your influence to be destroyed, forget that you're children of God. Forget that you have a purpose. Forget that you're on a mission. Forget whose child you are. And you'll soon be on your way to having absolutely no influence at all. If you want to have influence in this world, remember who you are. Remember that God has chosen us for this purpose of shining at the light to the world. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Do we stop to realize that? That God has chosen us? for a special purpose that He wants accomplished in this world. And that purpose is to shine that light. To show forth the praises of Him who's called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. We have a purpose. And when we forget that purpose, when we forget that we're God's children, then we are totally ineffective. Our light is under a basket. I've had to work some trade shows trade shows with thousands of customers and we're there to promote our business. I'm there and when I'm working that trade show to show forth the praises of our products and services. And I have to remember why I'm there. I'm wearing that uniform. Because I'm supposed to show forth the praises of what our company can do for our customers. Now if I forget that And I begin to think I'm just like everybody else there. And I just blend in and stand around looking at stuff. I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. And we are that in the world, aren't we? God has called us out of the world to be different. To be different from the world. To show forth the praises to let our light shine. And we forget that. I going to tell you, our light's under a basket. Our light's under a basket. But another thing that we need to realize is that we are children of God. We are children of God. All of us together are children of God. We're not doing this alone. We need each other. We're all children of God. And if we forget that, I'll tell you, our life is under a basket. And finally, if you want to put your life under a basket, I think Paul tells us here, just Don't keep yourself pure. Don't worry about, about purity. It says that we should be children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. We live in a wicked world. A world that's trying to rub off on us. And this is nothing new. is it interesting? We think about 2023 being how, how terrible... And how evil and how wicked the world that we live in is. And it's just just black and dark and terrible. And it is. It's bad. But it's nothing new. In the first century, they were living in a crooked and perverse generation. The world has always been crooked and perverse, hasn't it? There's always been sin in the world. Once the Garden of Eden was gone, it's been crooked and perverse. And we need to be different. We need to be pure. We can't be a light to the world if we're no different. The problem is that Christians try to influence the world by cozying up to the world. We try to influence the world by being like the world, and that will never work. The only way that we're going to be a light to the world is if we're different. We live in the world. We've got to be different in the world. And when we don't live like we should, specifically in how we treat our brethren, I want to tell you we're no different in the world. And when the world finds out that Christians are fighting with each other, when people who don't want to live right Find out that Christians aren't acting like they should towards their brethren. You better believe that those people are going to get every bit of mileage out of that that they can. Every bit of mileage, and you've heard it, haven't you? Well, I don't want to be like them because they just fight and fuss. And I'm sure I'm out drinking and carousing and doing all kinds of stuff. But those people over there in church—they're not acting like they should. Well, that's true. If they're not acting like they should, they're not being the light that they should be. Now, that doesn't justify this guy for doing whatever he's doing. I'll tell you that light is under a basket. If we're not living like we should towards one another, if you want to put your light under a basket, under a bushel. Don't worry about your attitude towards your brethren. Don't worry about how you interact with your brethren. Don't worry about how you treat your brethren. You are the of and just don't worry about being pure. And if you'll do that, I can guarantee you—just as Paul guarantees you, your life. will am not sure it'll be in your going to influence or ruin our influence? The world, we very, time, very we'll just not being careful about how we interact. How is your light this morning? Let me tell you, if you're not living for Christ, if you've not submitted to Him, your light is not shining. And we live in a dark and wicked world that desperately needs the light of the gospel. Desper- def- desperately needs God's light shine in this world. God needs every one of us shining our light. If you're not shining this morning, will we make that right, you let us know by this 走 <laughs>